Thanksgiving at our church uh, became something uh, kind of cool. Uh, it's kind of unique. We had the opportunity when we were in the school to take the chairs and put them in a circle, and we did what we called Circle Church, taken from an N.T. Wright book. It was kind of the inspiration behind it. And, uh, and we had microphones, and people would talk and share stories and talk about what they're thankful for. And on one particular Thanksgiving, a uh, theme came out. The theme was parents that don't give up on their kids. And uh, in one case, it was a mom who started it, got up and talked about her son was sitting next to her in the service, and she talked about praying for 12 years, that he would come back from addiction and come back from wandering. And, uh, and after 12 years, God changed his life, and he became clean, and it was a tenacity. And that Thanksgiving, uh, I heard the story of parent after parent, maybe two or three, talk about this tenacity of speaking into a child's life who is wayward. And as I look at the beginning of the Advent season, and we open up the book of Hebrews, if you have your Bible or your phone, you can look at Hebrews 1. One to two, we're going to see that God spoke long ago. My question is, is why would God be speaking? So the people reject God, people turn from God, people fail God, and, and the sin that happens and the mess that follows is remarkable. The mess that follows is wars and murders and rape and pillaging and famine and like it's just awful what humanity became very quickly brokenness from wholeness death became the order of the day we were going to die because of sin and people were dying and killing each other and it was one generation from a sin that left the garden to killing your brother the sin was unbelievable, but without even a generation passing, without even hardly a day passing, God began to speak. Why is God speaking? And how did God speak? Well, much like that picture of these parents who for 12 years didn't give up and kept speaking into a child's life who had just chosen drugs and chosen alcohol and chosen a life that was far beneath him, far beneath what he could have had, just like that, the parents kept pursuing. God keeps pursuing humanity. Jesus described it this way. When he was talking to, he had, he had before him the, the Pharisees who were saying, you need to stop hanging with sinners. And then you had the sinners in the same group and he uses this parable to describe to them the Father's heart. There's a shepherd who would leave the 99 and pursue the one. Who are the 99 and who are the one? The 99 were the ones that didn't need, didn't require, and didn't ask for salvation, but he pursued the one who was lost. And he's saying this to the people who are saying, we don't need a savior, 
and the people who are saying, we desperately need a savior, does anybody remember us? We've gone astray. Christmas is God's great invitation for humanity that is lost. His unceasing pursuit of humanity to save them from the lives that we've all chosen. We have many people speaking up about what is the meaning of Christmas. At the heart of the Advent season, I want you to know that God is speaking in Christmas. So let's look and read at the first two verses of Hebrews 1, if you have it with me. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Welcome to Advent season. 2023. God spoke long ago. God spoke long ago. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you see God speaking right away when Adam and Eve end. Their walk, he's taking a walk through the cool of the day, and Adam, where are you? That's the first word after the fall that we have written. Where are you? Now, God is omniscient. He knows where Adam is, and he knows what Adam's done. But what does the question mean? Where have you gone, and what have you done? Why is there this separation, and you're hiding from your relationship with me? Christmas is a pursuit of relationship, God's relationship with us. It's Jesus coming close so that we can be restored to the relationship with God that he always intended for us. Adam, where are you? God spoke long ago. It wasn't just with Adam. It, was, it continued generation after generation. I don't think all of it is in Scripture for us to see how much God pursued each generation. But God spoke again in Noah's time, and God found a way to redeem, and God restored. And God began to make promises. He called them covenants. Why is he making promises with people if he's on the brink of bringing judgment and he's saying that what you've accomplished is worthy of my wrath, and yet God is making promises with people who are broken, who are heading for death, and who have no hope? He starts making promises to Noah and he gives the rainbow as a sign of that promise. And then in remarkable fashion, he speaks to Abraham. Now Abraham is in a place where he, has, he is worshiping another god. Humanity has gotten to the place where we are going to put other gods in place of Yahweh and we are going to, he doesn't even have the name Yahweh yet, God hasn't spoken that till Moses. He hasn't spoken the law yet through Moses. He hasn't given the promise of king yet through David. But why is he making a promise to Abraham? And he says and gives a hint of Jesus himself coming. He says that from your seed will come a blessing for the nations. Genesis 12. Who is the seed? What is the blessing? It's the hint of Christmas. 
It's the hint of the gospel. God spoke long ago. He spoke it many times and in many ways. What are the many times and in many ways? Well, God spoke through a burning bush in Exodus 3. He spoke through a thick cloud in Exodus 19.9. He spoke through a gentle whisper in 1 Kings 19.12. You imagine God speaking through a gentle whisper? He spoke through dreams and visions, Joel 2.28. He spoke through writing on a wall in Daniel 5, 5 through 9. I'm skipping over all kinds of things. He spoke through a donkey in November 22, verses 20, Numbers 22 through 21 through 35. Um, I have often joked that is my life first. If he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. He spoke through a great fish in Jonah 2. Why is God speaking? Well, I know for a fact that those parents who got up that Thanksgiving went many states away and helped remodel a house for that boy who was wayward. And in remodeling that house, it was, you know, what good was being done? It was a house that was being used for things that shouldn't be used for. There were things that were broken in that home. Why, were they, why would they travel that far and why would they work on that house? Because they were speaking, come home. We love you. We haven't given up on you. God is speaking throughout the whole Old Testament and laced through all of it our promises again and again and again with the hope that we would understand why does Christmas have to come? God wanted people to know why Christmas was coming and it's because God so loved the world. He loved us. He loved broken people, every generation, every person. And we as humans might say, well, that person isn't worth fighting for, or I've tried for five years, I've tried for 10 years, I've tried for 15 years, and I'm giving up, I'm washing my hands. God never gives up and he never washes his hands. And to magnify that message that was just a shadow of a promise in the Old Testament. There is Christmas. God was preparing for our only hope, Jesus. Let me read Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 for you. I'll put it up on the screen. And I want you to notice the end of this, of verse 9. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So, don't flip the pages, just stick with me in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now this familiar passage about Christmas, this promise of Christmas 700 years before Christ came, that this Christ child would have these titles for us. They would be names that we would, it'd be personal, 
For you, he will be a wonderful counselor. For you, he will be your mighty God. For you, he will be your everlasting father. For you, he will be your prince of peace. He is your champion. He is your advocate. He is the one who came to deliver God's message to a lost and dying world. That's really big and sometimes feels impersonal. I want you to know that he delivered this love note for individuals. That's why he came personally and met individuals. And that's why he meets us individually and invites us into a relationship with him. Why Christmas was coming? Because God so loved you. Your name. Christmas isn't just for big picture. In fact, it's for the one. God came and is big enough to have known who you were and who you would be and what you would need. And he knew what all of humanity needed. And from the moment that Adam and Eve fell until the day that he returns, he will not cease pursuing the one. Merry Christmas. God wanted people to know why Christmas was coming. God wanted to know people to know how Christmas is coming. God spoke about how Jesus would come from the very beginning. In Genesis 3.15, when he is speaking of the curses, he looks at the serpent, he looks at Satan, and says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It's the promise of Christ being victorious over Satan. And in bruising his heel, he'll go to the cross and he will suffer and die. The Christ child. But the Christ child at that moment will seal the doom of evil and death and sin and bring back a kingdom that will last through eternity that is good. God kept speaking of redemption to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses, and to David. Through Moses, God spoke of a law, a law that was unattainable for humans, and he gave the picture for the first time of sacrifices that could atone for our sins. But the sacrifices that atoned needed to be offered again and again by priests who needed to offer sacrifices again and again, and there was never any catching up. The Mosaic law was never going to be our salvation. So at the failure of the people of God in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God began to speak of another promise, a new covenant, a new temple, a new plan, a new, a new promise. So this Mosaic covenant, and he hinted at it in 2 Samuel chapter 7 with David, that it would be a king. How was Christmas going to come? Well, it would be a child of David. It would be an a, a heir of David who would take the throne of David but David himself, as Jesus testified, said, how does David say to his heritage, my Lord? He's quoting David's words when he speaks to his great, 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 great grandson. David calls him Lord. This is the king who God planned for from the beginning. And the story is, I, there's not time for me to explain 
all of the story from the Old Testament where God is speaking about his heart and putting on display his heart. And even when we see God as a God of wrath, we understand that God poured his wrath out on Jesus Christ. We are the ones who now know the plan. In Romans chapter 3, God says that he passed over the sins previously committed. That means that God looked at the thousands and thousands of years of humanity before Christ came, where they were outside of the will of God. And he looked at that and he looked towards the cross so that Abraham could, it could be declared of Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. David could say that, How blessed is a man whose sins are forgiven because everything was looking for the one. He didn't know how God was going to forgive. It was by Christ. It was all about Christmas. Generation after generation, God kept speaking to broken people and even making promises and covenants with broken people all because there was going to be a new covenant in Christ's blood. Christmas. God wanted people to know how Christmas was coming. Isaiah 7, 14, we read it earlier. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Wait a minute. 700 years before Christ, you're saying that this promised king is going to be born of a virgin, is going to be born, and it's going to be God with us. This is going to mean that God is with us. And in Isaiah's time, did they understand? They didn't understand in Jesus' time. And to be honest with you, now 2,000 years later, most of humanity still doesn't understand. God came near in Christmas, in Christ. How would Christmas come? Well, if you were a student of Isaiah, you would learn that he would be a suffering servant, this Messiah, this king. That he would not be popular, that he would not be beautiful, that he would not be thought of highly, that he would suffer miserably. Who is God's suffering servant? Who is this king? That he would be a priest, And a king. How can that be? Well, they didn't know yet that he would be of the order of Melchizedek. There was mystery around the story of Christmas that was too wonderful to understand. Too magnificent that God would come close in Christmas. God wanted his people to understand that he had a plan for salvation. And he wanted them to understand that when Christ came, pay close attention because this is my only plan for humanity to save them. And I am going to build a new kingdom. There is a kingdom that ends in death. There is a kingdom that is marked by sin and loss and failure. And this is just to be survived as long as you can and you'll die. But there is a kingdom that God has built that will last through eternity that is restored and redeemed and renewed. And we have a relationship with the living God that we were meant to have from the very beginning God has been speaking throughout the ages, whispering about Christmas, and when Christ comes, the plan of salvation is made clear. 
But there wasn't one generation that passed that God didn't want to have know. There wasn't one individual that lived that God didn't want them to know. I've come to save you. I'm not going to leave you. Now, to be honest, most of humanity has rejected his plan. The problem with sin from the very beginning was mankind said, I don't want, we're shaking their fists at God, I don't want what you're going to give me. We will go our own way. And humanity has been shaking its fist at God ever since. And the scriptures declare that while we were still sinning, shaking our hand at God, Christ died for us. While we were still at odds with God in our hearts, God still came for us. I can't help but go back to the story of those parents and that young man who was wayward, who was an addiction, who was failing and flailing in life, and his life had become so much less than what it could have been. And they never gave up. Why? Why didn't they say, well, you've done it now. See ya. Because of love. Christmas came because God loved. Christmas came with a promise of a virgin-born child who would suffer. God wanted people to know why Christmas was coming. He wanted to know how Christmas was coming. He also wanted to know the meaning of Christmas. He wanted them to actually know Jesus. This is personal. Christmas is personal. Look with me in verse 2. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. In these last days. What are the last days? Well, the last days began when Christ came, with the incarnation, with the birth of a Savior. Up until then, everything was pointing towards a hope that was a mystery. It was uncertain. How can David say he's forgiven? By law, he should be put to death. He's committed murder. He's committed adultery. He's failed. And yet in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, how wonderful for a man to know that he is forgiven. How? Where is that written in the Mosaic law that you get a pass? that there would be forgiveness for sins. Well, it's the last days that we learn that it's through Jesus Christ. In the former days, there was just the promise through prophets, through dreams, through handwriting on the wall, through stories where God continues to engage people, to draw people to himself, to whisper of a promise of salvation. In the last days, he has spoken to us through through his son. <clears throat> In these last days when God's plan and God's kingdom are begun. That means that right now, presently, believers in Jesus Christ are of another kingdom. 
Eternal life has already began. These bodies may deteriorate, but God has already begun and given us eternal life, and it'll spring forth one day as we take on bodies that Christ provides, resurrection bodies. Amen. This is Christmas. This is the meaning of Christmas. Christ came near so that we could come near. He spoke through his, his son. Jesus is the ultimate revelation from God. What does that mean? Now, there are many people who long for days when handwriting would be on the wall. And I'm not saying that God doesn't still write with handwriting on a wall. God can do whatever he wants, and I'm not going to stand up here and limit God and say what he can and cannot do in this generation. Does God speak audibly? Well, if God wants to speak audibly, he speaks audibly. God is not hindered by our theology. God does what he wants. But what's clear is that God was writing Scripture in such a way that he could say, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Through common people, through average people, through broken people, God spoke his word so that it could be written down and give us the Scriptures. And in the Old Testament, God spoke with more force than we experience today, such that if someone said he was a prophet and it didn't come true whatever he said, he was supposed to be put to death because you were supposed to be able to trust when a prophet said, thus saith the Lord, write it down in Scripture, he is speaking to people and it's supposed to last through generations. So when we speak of a prophet today, no one's writing Scripture. We should put a big P and a small P at, at best. Big P is, thus saith the Lord, everyone sit down, shut up, we're hearing Scripture now. Small P is, okay, I think I have a word from the Lord for you. And I think that's, like, I'm not here to hinder anything. I'm just saying that God spoke uniquely in the Old Testament. Why does he not speak in the same way in the New Testament? Why are we still not writing Scripture? Well, it's found right here in this passage. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. For thousands of years, God spoke through people in a way that gave us hints at the promise. In these last days, he spoke through Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ came, we learned of the character of God, we learned about the will of God, we learned about his plan for salvation. What was not fully known then is fully known now. And we have through the word of God, the declaration of the revelation of God in Christ. And no one has had it better prior to Christ, then we have it. We have God's full plan of redemption laid out before us. There is a Savior. His name is Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem at a unique time, probably 3 B.C., 4 B.C., just in case you didn't know. And he was born and he moved to Egypt and then to Nazareth at 12 years old. He was dedicated in the temple and stayed behind. This is a real boy who was born, really God born, a human. This is Emmanuel, God with us. In these last days, he spoke through that boy, through that boy who became a man. Jesus is the ultimate and the final revelation from God. John 1.18 no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. 
The New American Standard says he has explained him. For thousands of years, God was trying to tell people who he was and what his heart was. And in one moment, he makes it perfectly clear. You want to know my heart? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know how I love people? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know how I'm humble? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know the revelation of the heart of God and the plan of God? Look at Christmas. I'm a guy that loves all the traditions of Christmas. We have a Christmas tree, and we've got lights up, and some friend of, a friend of Jeannie's, a dear friend of Jeannie's, gave her a, a village, Christmas Carol Village, and we've got that all up in front of our house, and we had fun putting it up. It, it's, I like Christmas. But don't be enamored by the lights and the trees and the presents. That's not what Christmas is about, ultimately. Christmas is about the coming of Jesus, the Christ child. God coming close. Now just take a moment and consider that. The, the story of leaving the 99 and the 1, I've always thought about it as the Pharisees and the sinners. And it never made much sense to me because the Pharisees needed a Savior as much as the sinners did because they were all sinners. So he's describing leaving the 99 and going after the one, and he wanted people to hear. He wanted the sinners who came for salvation to hear every single one of you God would pursue. Tenacious. God has pursued tenaciously in Christmas. Every single one of you. Now, maybe you grew up in a family where you weren't pursued tenaciously. Maybe your parents didn't come after you. Maybe, maybe they gave up. Maybe you didn't. You have a God in Christmas who pursues you personally. How do I know? Well, I've read about Jesus. I know his heart. I know he loves you. I know he is pursuing you this year in Christmas. That's God's revelation. And, and leaving the 99 from me this year, as I consider it, feels like God leaving heaven and coming after us each individually. He left the place where salvation wasn't required and came to us and came close. And how did come, come, God come close? If we all got together and wrote the plan, we would not have him come 3 B.C., without good health care, right? We would not have him come and have people pursuing to kill him at age two. No, give the guy a nice childhood. We would not send him to Nazareth. We would give him our very best. But God wanted his heart to be known, and he went to the common person first. Christmas. The meaning of Christmas is knowing Christ. And knowing Christ is different than knowing. It's never like we imagine. We're far more loved than we imagine. He is far more persistent than we imagine. His salvation goes farther and forgives sin far more than we imagined. It is God coming close and whispering in your ear, by the way, I've loved you from eternity past. 
And to have a Merry Christmas is to have a relationship with me. A restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Verse 2 ends, and we will be spending all of the Advent season in these three verses, the first three verses of Hebrews. It says that God the Father appointed him heir of all things through whom also he created the world. Heir of all things, what does that mean? That means that where sin has reigned, where death has reigned, where the grave has reigned, where division and brokenness and failure and frustration has reigned, where loneliness has reigned, Christ now reigns. There is a new kingdom where he is the prince of peace and the wonderful counselor and the mighty God. But he's your prince of peace. He's your mighty God. He's your savior. And he reigns. This no longer reigns over us. He reigns over us. He is heir of all things, and through him he created the world. In the Old Testament, we saw the Father and the Spirit at work in in creation. But in three times that I can pull to mind quickly, John 1, Colossians 1, and here in Hebrews 1, we find out that Christ was the vehicle, the voice by which God the Father created all things. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit The reason I'm telling you this is I want you to know who Jesus is. He is the creator of all things. And if you want to know the heart of your creator, it is to come close and suffer for you. Merry Christmas. Now in that story, it's a personal story to me because it's my mom and my brother. In that story, my mom and dad kept pursuing. I remember going out and working on their house and advising, give up. You don't need to keep pursuing. This isn't good or right, what's happening here. But my parents didn't give up. They kept pursuing. And that young man sat in that room as she testified about a redeemed life. And year after year, God redeemed, and it's been, I don't know how many years now. Jeannie, how many years has it been? 10 years, maybe? That he has been clean, that he loves Jesus, that he gave his life and surrendered his life to Christ, and he's writing a book about his surrender to Christ now. What does Christmas mean? Christmas is God the Father's invitation through Jesus Christ for you to come into a right relationship with him. What is the tenacity of Christ's invitation? Well, it's evidenced in the Christmas story. He came close. He lived among us. He suffered. He died because of the tenacity of his love for you. Let's pray. How great the Father's love for us. As we begin our Advent season, Father, I don't know exactly how to say thank you. 
The older I get and the more broken I see the world around me and the more lives that I see taken by sin. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. I am so thankful that you are a God who doesn't give up on me or on my friends here. I pray that this would be a Christmas that we draw near to you through Christ and that we give you the glory for speaking and not giving up on us. In Jesus' name, amen.